0: Frank Ling and I'm Charles Lee, and you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Zach Schumbrun will join us to discuss the performance cortex. So stay tuned for all of this, plus the Grokatron 5000, and our world famous question of the week. Coming right up here on the Grox Science Show. Science Show. Well, sports is a huge part of the culture in the United States, but what makes an elite athlete so good? Well, in the new book, The Performance Cortex, How Neuroscience is Redefining Athletic Genius, author Zach Shumbrun explores this issue. Mr. Shumbrun has been a contributing writer for the New York Times since 2011, covering primarily sports and business. His work has appeared in numerous outlets, including ESPN, The Magazine, The Washington Post, and SBN Nation. Again, he is the author of the new book, The Performance Cortex, How Neuroscience is Redefining Athletic Genius. And uh, Mr. Shumbrun a very pleased to have you today on the Grox Science Show.
1: Thank you very much. i pleased to speak with you. Well, it's a
0: fascinating book here you've written where you talk about science of elite sporting performance. So how did you become interested in this topic?
1: Well, you know, I've asked myself that same question a few times over the course of, of my reporting you know, because I never thought I would be writing about, about neuroscience. and, and uh, But, you know, I, it's just been fascinating to me to, to learn uh, about this. And my background is in sports uh, journalism and business writing, uh, as you mentioned, for the New York Times and, and other outlets. And actually, I have to credit my wife. For, for being for the genesis uh, of this, because it was she who, who discovered a small little blurb in uh, one of my alumni magazines about these two uh, neuroscience students. They were pop, uh, doctoral students uh, at Columbia University, and they were interested in understanding decision making in professional athletes, and they were starting to work with Major League Baseball teams. And this was around 2014. And uh, I, I got interested in, in them and what they were doing. And, you know, being a sports writer, I'd heard uh, about uh, brain gaming and lumosity and some of the sports teams starting to uh, work a little bit in that vein. And obviously, sports psychology is a big thing and mindfulness and Zen and all these things that teams try to do to improve their performance. But this neuroscience approach, uh, actually using a piece of neuroimaging equipment, EEG, uh, to trace the the correlates of, of decision making, in hitting just seemed really, really, it seemed unique and, and, and kind of a different level of sobriety in in terms of their approach. And, so I followed, started following them uh, around 2014, wrote a story initially in, in 2015, and it was like a song that got, uh, couldn't, uh, that I couldn't get unstuck out of my head, it just kept you know rattling around in there. What does it mean to be skilled? How does the brain uh, control and coordinate our movement? And, and I discovered that I really didn't have uh, much of an understanding of the motor system uh, or any appreciation for its role in performance. And so that's what started me on my journey to asking questions and visiting neuroscience and motor research labs and figuring out, you know, what role the brain, brain actually plays.
0: So how much of this really is understood, I guess, from, from a neuroscience perspective and how much of it really now is starting to penetrate into major league sports?
1: Yeah, we're still very uh, in the nascent uh, period, I would say. I mean, Decervo, which is the company uh, that I followed, they're the first, and I believe still the only ones to be using an actual neuroscience piece of equipment, the EEG, um, to look inside the uh, the brains of hitters. And teams are kind of approaching it with a I would get I would say it's a healthy curiosity. Obviously, this is information that they didn't have access to before. I think they see the potential in it, and they, and they can use this information but they need more that needs more time it needs to collect more data you need to get more players through and that just takes time and it's and it is a rigorous piece of scientific uh, uh, analysis that they're doing it takes about 40 minutes to complete the simulation that they have them do and a lot of the players as you can imagine they're not exactly uh, keen to sit in front of a laptop screen tapping at a button for 40 minutes while wearing some fancy headgear they they don't really care about the science Behind it, they just want to get better, uh, you know, at hitting, and so um, you know there there there's uh, some hesitancy or at least some burdens um, for it to really you know take off. But in no, in no question in my mind, I think this is going to be the future. I think the the more that we understand generally about the brain and its and its cor- control and coordination of our movement will help um, filter down into into sports and understanding you know those great movers among us, the athletes that we uh, pay uh, to watch and and see perform
0: so is, is the hope then to make the next basketball player you know reaching the level of Stephen Curry
1: Well, you know, there's two ways that these teams now are approaching this. There's two avenues that they can take. They can use uh, this information, as you're mentioning, as perhaps a new training tool or new training device. And and if you, you know, for the baseball example, if you're able to see that you're responding to fastballs in 330 milliseconds from home plate, but you're a little bit slower with curveballs and you're not responding until it's, you know, 300 milliseconds from home plate, and that actually is affecting your ability to hit the curveball, then maybe you can use that information to improve your swing, or to you know to save to, to see, but more curveballs, or to you know basically uh, tailor your training um, to uh, to uh, to improve your your ability to uh, to maximize your decision making in that vein. So that's one way that teams are you know, seeing the potential as maybe as a new new information that they can use for training and improvement. But the other avenue is for screening and assessing uh, future players and prospects. And so if you gather enough data and you put enough players through the CEG, you can begin to see the formation of a baseline for what it takes to actually be a major league hitter. And the decision making that the best hitters, um, you know, make on, on the course of a pitch. And if you're able to say, okay, you know, the 300 hitters are deciding on pitches between 350 and 300 milliseconds, then maybe we can begin to rule out any of the prospects that we're looking at who aren't able to decide in that time frame i mean that's a bit of a harsh (laughs) harsh reality if it comes to that i don't think that they'll just immediately rule out any prospect who doesn't fit into that window but i think it's another piece of analysis that can be used for screening and for assessing future players
0: then have they related a little bit of the signature of what makes a a great hitter a hitter or great what, what have they found out
1: yeah so um the neuroscientists who started this company early on before they were really going down the uh, consulting uh, route, they had been doing some research at Columbia uh, using EEG as well as fMRI and actually getting Columbia baseball players to go into the brain scanner to detect uh, to see what might what brain regions might be responding to, to incoming pitches and so they did some really interesting work uh, several years ago on this, and I believe it might be the only study that actually Actually, um, to, to this day, that is that is looked at um, that expert baseball players in a no in a go or no go task that is hitting a pitch and deciding whether to swing or not swing, and so they found two primary uh, brain regions that are responsible uh, for uh, or at least that were activating in different ways in the expert hitters rather than novices, and one of those brain regions was a supplementary motor area, which seemed to be activating in a much stronger way uh, when the hitters decided not to swing at a pitch and uh, it you know it makes sense looking at other studies at the SMA and is involved in motor inhibition and so the the decision not to swing at a pitch is a just as active a decision and involves, uh, you know, a, an act of inhibition as strongly as the decision to actually produce the motor output. So the fact that there was there was some sort of signature there in that motor region did seem to intuitively make some sense. And then for those who decided to swing at a pitch, it seemed like there was an area called the fusiform gyrus that activated in different ways uh, in the expert hitters rather than the novices. And, The fusiform gyrus has been shown in other studies involving expertise. It seems to be an area that is about quick recognition, um, whether it's recognizing a face, recognizing a word on a page, or recognizing a car as a car expert or a bird as a bird watcher and so those who put in a lot of time and energy into uh, into their craft and, and they've developed uh, enough uh, of recognition of what they're looking at they their fusiform gyri <laughs> gyruses um, uh, they activate in different uh, ways than, than novices and this is what they also found in the baseball players and so uh, while I hesitate to say that those are the two regions that are uh, that are solely In command of of decision making. Of course, one thing we know, uh, or we should recognize about the brain, is that it's very, it's 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 incredibly nuanced, and there's a lot of regions that are responsible for producing any sort of coordinated and controlled movement. And so, but you know, but these two regions did show signatures that were different in the expert hitters than they were in the novices. And it's beginning, you know, I think obviously more research needs to be done, but it was fairly interesting to notice those differences. I think it's all it's all it's all related. And of course, we are constantly making decisions as we move about the world and and uh, we're, you know, initiating and uh, and uh, inhibiting our movements uh, on a on a millisecond basis as we, as we move about. There's so much planning, uh, prediction, coordination, orchestration in our, in our movements just, just to reach out for the coffee mug at the end of your desk. Of course, you know, we take it for granted uh, because of how natural that movement is, but it's extraordinarily intricate and complex. And then to extrapolate and think about what these expert athletes are doing on their field of play or on the basketball court, it really is remarkable.
0: So, so do these sort of uh, ideas? Do they uh, extend beyond the athletic realm to other areas where uh, physical performance is, is important?
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, in, in the book, I I try to make it a more than about more than just. Sports. I looked at uh, some studies on dancers, particularly how dancers are able to perceive and watch somebody else dance and then kind of soak in that observation. What does it mean to be to have observation skills and visual uh, memory of a movement and be able to replicate that movement? And so it ties into some research on mirror neurons and the action observation network, this network of uh, the system of, of uh, regions in the brain that activate as we're simply Watching something and effectively simulating that movement uh, in our minds, um, and it turns out that experts, those who, are, who practice and have a lot of experience uh, in those movements, can see something and their motor areas activate in a different way. It, again, it effectively simulates the movement as they're just simply watching it. And you know, so there are such great linkages between perception and action that transcend sports into other domains, uh, whether it's dance, whether it's uh, you know race. Car driving, um, you know, and and of course music and and musical performances involves so much of your motor skill and and, and motor system, and so um, so yeah, I mean there there's uh, there's there's a lot more to, to movement, and I tried to, to approach this from my own understanding of you know what it what it means to move about this world, what is the motor system. Do to produce uh, the movement that we make, and again that we that we normally take for granted because it comes uh, so naturally to us, I didn't have appreciation uh, for that and and um, you know and I think we're still trying to understand um, the uh, you know to, to get a a better understanding of how complex and intricate it is. You know you look at modern robotics today, modern robotics uh, and artificial intelligence has been very good at producing uh, thinking machines, cognitive equipment that can beat anybody in jeopardy or beat anybody in chess or can drive a car or come up with algorithms and calculations instantaneously, but actually producing a a robot that can move about or replicate the movement of even a five-year-old dexterity has not been achieved yet. You can just go on YouTube and search for a robot opening a door, and and some of the videos are hysterical. And the problem is that it's just very hard to model um, human movement. And we still don't have that fully fleshed out yet um, in order to produce that in some sort of external equipment, like a robot. And so perhaps by studying the experts' uh, movers, like the athletes, perhaps by getting a better understanding of how they're able to move, we might be able to uh, use that in in plenty of other domains.
0: I'd like to mention again, uh, the new book is called The Performance Cortex, How Neuroscience is Redefining Athletic Genius, the author, uh, Mr. Zach Schoenbrunn And uh, Mr. Schoenbrunn, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show.
1: Great talking to you. Thank you very much for having me.